If you have a Bible, open it up to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. We've been now on a series called Amazing, and we've talked about grace, or what is, you know, like the song, Amazing Grace. And grace is really amazing, because if you know what grace is, grace, and this is important, one thing that grace is, not the only thing that grace is, like, you know, grace is not what some people think it is. In other words, you know, like we say grace, well, you know, over your food, Lord, thank you for this food, we just said grace. Well, is that what grace is? Grace is, and it may be included in that, but grace is unearned. It's a gift given by God that you cannot earn. That's what grace is. And really what the Old Testament tells us is this. Because the Bible is an Old Covenant and a new one, or an Old Testament and a new one. The Old Testament really tells us when man failed... God set up all these rules and these laws, and he said, if you work real hard, you can be saved, you can have eternal life, and nobody could do it. We're all in trouble, right? So then in the New Testament, we see the terms grace that are used again and again, and really we see because man failed and the law and God is perfect and God wanted man back with himself, that man needed grace. A free, undeserved gift that you cannot provide for yourself. And you don't deserve it, you can't be good enough for it, and that's what Jesus is to us. He gave us grace. But we said this last week, that grace is not just what you receive at salvation. It is that, but it's more than that, because we're to live the whole rest of our Christian existence based on different kinds of grace that's given. Some grace is common to everybody. In other words, the grace for you to live victorious to be blessed in life, and all these things is free and undeserved toward all people. In other words, all believers. And we saw that last week. But then we need to understand there are grace giftings that are totally different from one to another. They're undeserved. I mean, I didn't deserve a gifting to be a minister. I didn't go, well, you know, I'm working real hard at this, Lord. Why don't you throw me down a a little extra dose of that, or give me some of that. This is what I want to do. No, I had no intention of this, but God just chose and freely gave it. Now, I have to cooperate with it, so what I'm saying is there's different graces, and we'll talk about that. But the one we started talking about last week, we're going to look at again, Hebrews 13.9, is the grace to live life. Not to get saved, but in other words, grace is something that's freely given that you don't deserve. And we saw this last week that when somebody comes to know the Lord, all the things you need for life and godliness are freely already yours. But then people would say this, well, if they're already freely mine as a believer, how come they're not working for me? Well, that would be the same thing true as saying, is not grace for salvation for everybody in the world? But how come it's not working for them? 
there's the human factor. In other words, people have to know first that it's even there or it's available, and then they have to respond the way God said to respond. And so we understand, and we're going to see this again, that grace is a huge part of the New Testament Christian's existence. People who struggle with things and want to get free from addictions or whatever it is, there's already a grace that Christ paid for, a free gift to empower you to live victorious. But what happens is a lot of times people are like, well, your issue is you got to keep the Ten Commandments. And you try. I'm trying. Because then I won't sin. But do you know Jesus is the answer and he conquered sin? That's a free gift that you can walk in as a believer. So turn to Hebrews the 13th chapter, if you're not there, we read this verse. I'm going to read it again today and then head forward. Because I think this verse uh, helps us in the church age because so many people are trying to be and have a heart to really work hard to get what they deserve. Because, you know, in the United States, we teach people, work hard, you could succeed. Work hard and you could succeed. I believe we should work hard. I believe everybody should work and work hard, but if that is all you're relying on, you're not relying on God's grace. God's grace can make your hard work way more fruitful than somebody else's hard work. You with me? And that can make up the difference in your life big time. You with me? Because how many times have people said, I'm doing everything I can do, Lord? Good. That's good. But there's more than just what you can do. And so here Hebrews 13.9 says this. Now, he's writing to these Hebrew Christians, these people who knew the law, knew all the rules, knew all the sacrifices, all the religious things, all that you were supposed to eat and not eat under the Old Testament law. And it says, do not be carried about with various, which means different, and strange doctrines. If there was a warning back then when the apostles were alive who God used to write the Bible, do you think there could be various and strange, different, strange doctrines today? For it is good that the heart be established by grace, that your inward core, when he talks about the heart, he's talking about not that blood pumping thing, but that blood pumping thing we know is the core to your existence. Right? You could get one lung shot out in war, and you could still live. You can lose one leg. You can't lose one heart. You with me? And still exist. Because that's it. It's the core. But here when he's talking about the heart, he's talking about the core way you process things. 
the core way. When he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding, he's saying, rely with the core of who you are. And so here he said that it's good or it's right that the heart be established by grace. Or you could say it like this, the giftings God has put in people, but not only the free gifts, but it, everything he provided for humanity, and particularly here, what he provided for every believer freely apart from works. Is freedom from sin as a believer free and apart from works? Yes. Is victory over the devil free and apart from works? Oh, yeah. Is authority. When he said resist the devil and he'll flee from you, that tells you you got some kind of gift, whether you knew it or not, or you could resist that dude. Right? And then he'd have to flee from you. God loving you. Is that deserved or undeserved? A lot of people think it's deserved. You know I'm trying, God. No, it's a free gift that he loves you. Period. Whether you like it or not. Well, I'm just going to still work hard. Well, okay, that's fine, but it ain't going to make him love you more. Oh my goodness, that bothers me. Well, it doesn't bother him. That's how he wrote the book. And it would set people free if they knew they didn't have to climb a ladder to be pleasing to God in the sense of, I got to work, work, work. But why do they think like that? Because their hearts are not established in grace. Notice the next thing. He said, the heart be established by grace, not with foods. Now he's not talking like taquitos, you know, like you're sitting here going like, wow, man, I'm ready to eat. Anybody else hungry? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about foods here which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. These were religious practices, and these people were occupied. Their hearts were full of this. I got to work, and I got to work, and I got to work, and I got to do this religious practice and this religious practice. Technically, these people were being pressured to go back and reject Christ in their life, if you read the book of Hebrews turn away from him and go back under the law and work to have salvation and to work to get answers to prayer and work to get God to bless them. And he said, these things are strange doctrines. And he said, not only are they strange, he said various types of strange doctrines. And then he said, you need to have your heart established by what Christ paid for you, provided for the whole church, not the church here, the church at large, everybody saved. And he said, don't let your heart be occupied. Now, have you ever gone into a room and saw somebody watching a movie? What's the first thing you see if they are occupied by that movie. And they're not paying attention to other things. They're just paying attention to that. They're locked into that. And there's a lot of Christians locked into, oh, I got, got to do this like this and do this like this. And he said, don't be occupied with that. He said, they didn't even profit the people in the Old Testament who were occupied with them. And if you go back and read, he talked about sacrifices, everything else. And so God tells us that the core of our focus needs to be on what he freely provided. 
See, these people had freely received salvation and had freely were receiving answers from God and things in their life. And now they're all of a sudden starting to get occupied with, I got to work to do this. I got to work. I got to, and you just can't do it that way. It won't work like that. No matter what anybody says, it just doesn't work like that. And so turn with me to Romans, the fifth chapter, and we're going to kind of get caught up where we were last week. Romans, the fifth chapter. So if my heart can be occupied, which is interesting, with uh, grace, or my heart can be occupied uh, with religious practices, that tells me my heart can be occupied with other things too. And what is it to have your heart occupied? Jesus talked about the soil of your heart, how the Word of God grows in your heart. But he said, be careful that you're not occupied or get distracted or you allow your heart to be filled with worries. Or he said other distractions, cares and things of this life. See, what's happened is this. Religion has said, you can't go to the beach. You can't do this. You can't do that. And that's not what God was saying and didn't want that to be said. He said, listen, you've got to be careful whether you go to the beach or you go to the lake or you go hiking, camping, shopping, do crafts, whatever it is. He said, you have to monitor that that does not occupy your heart or it will choke the word of God. And that free gift that I want you to trust in with your heart will get choked out. And so God's not legalistic. He's trying to get you to have results. Oh, well, you know, I've just grown so much. I, can, I don't even have to do any of that. I can just do whatever I want to now. No, the heart works a certain way. God recognizes that. And so have you ever seen somebody who was on fire one day and a few months later they were not on fire? That's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. I know sometimes to people, they think it's a mystery. It's a mystery. I don't understand. They just love God so much, and they were like, woo-hoo, glory to God, woo. And, but I don't know where they went, where they disappeared, because they started allowing other things to occupy their heart. And their heart no longer was for the things of God. And they drifted after what they had been entertaining. I know years ago the Lord dealt with me about fishing. I started fishing and got to fishing and fishing and fishing to where I was fishing every day. And it just filled my imagination. I was a Christian. I wanted to fish. Somebody said, well, that's stupid. I understand. But it can be real. And I remember when the Lord dealt with me and started dealing with me, you need to quit this. I didn't just go, okay, that's easy. I'll just quit. No, because it was now in my core. It took work to follow and trust to get that out of my life. And I'll tell you what, I can fish now. I don't have a desire to, but I can fish now. And I can go and be done and not like, I got to go back. I got to go back. Just one more cast, which to somebody who fishes a lot, that means I'll be here another 45 minutes. Don't rush me. I'm just going to cast one more. But that can be the same thing in other people's lives. So we need our hearts to be filled with grace. 
And we find it in his word. Notice this in Romans 5 too. Through whom, or through Jesus also, we have access by faith, or you could say by trust or reliance, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the glory of God. We know here in this context there is a grace for salvation, but then here he's talking about a grace we're to stand in in our daily lives. In other words, there's divine assistance. It's not a divine feeling. Spiritual things are not always seen or felt, but they're real. I mean, how many people before you walk with God, you didn't sense Him? But then all of a sudden you started walking with Him and you could sense Him. That didn't mean He just all of a sudden came on the scene. He was on the scene. You were just not conscious of Him. You with me? I mean, we could be singing a song and you're like, whoa, God's here, God's here. No, he was here the whole time, Charlie. Long before you experienced the thing, he was here. You're just now acknowledging, so you think he showed up. But he said, I won't leave you. But he came into manifestation because you started doing certain things. Or we did as a group. You with me? I know you're excited about that. But it's helpful to know because we recognize then that there is something there, someone and grace that needs to be accessed. And he said it's the grace in which you stand. In other words, for your life. And so I wrote this down. People many times are looking for a change outwardly. But real change is by a free gift that's through faith. That's how salvation is. And it's really like this. The unseen first, then the seen. Or you can say it like this. The unfelt and then the felt. Many people want the felt and the feeling, but when you're that way, you'll live a roller coaster life. You'll be up and down. You'll be emotional because you'll say, when you feel good, God's with you and He's for me. You're not living according to his word. You're living according to experience. Hey, I'm all for feelings, but feelings cannot be first in our lives. Or we'll be like, I'm having a bad day today. Well, why are you having a bad day? Well, all this stuff happened to me. So outward stuff is making you have a bad day? No, it's not. You're choosing your day. That would help us. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Newsflash. Slide that side to the wall. You'll never get up on it again. <laughs> it ain't the side you're getting up on that matters. It's you're living by feelings. And I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm just saying we can learn. We can grow as believers. And we can recognize just because I'm emotionally up, you know, don't get around them right now. They're having a bad day. Okay, we can enter in. We can talk to them now. No, we should learn and grow. This isn't to condemn anybody. This is to help. If you knew after you were saved, all the ability of God is already in you, then you could start tapping into it. It's like having your own well. Thank you very much for those grunts. 
But we need to recognize, he said, through faith we access this grace or walk in this grace. So this is what's real important is knowing that I've already got what I need. Remember we read the verse in Peter last week? He said, when you came to know the Lord, everything you would need for life and godliness is already supplied to you. So now I need to tap into this. And so I need to realize I get saved by grace when I trust, but I am now not to just go whatever will happen will happen in my life. I need to recognize now grace is there to continue walking with God. There's ability there to walk with God. God has given freely to us. Would you agree with that? Right? So turn with me since we're right there in Romans 5.2. This is all in the context. And remember I said we got saved by grace when we trusted, but now we're to live that way too. And notice verse 21. He keeps going on about the same thought. Romans 5.21. Notice this phrase. So that as sin reigned in death, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What's that? What, 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 what does that mean? That's pretty fancy. So that as sin reigned, well, let's change the word reign because it's a word we don't use today, but it is a word we understand. You could say it like this. So that as sin ruled or dominated in death, even so grace might reign, rule, dominate, influence through righteousness to eternal life or because of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He goes back to that same topic of lost people and saved people. When somebody doesn't know the Lord, they're called dead in their trespasses. And because they're spiritually dead in their spirit, it doesn't mean they don't cease to exist. It means they are not alive with the life of God. So sin comes forth. It's the natural occurrence. But he said when you get saved, and the Bible calls salvation eternal life, and the Bible also calls eternal life, or saved, righteousness. So every Christian is now right with God through Jesus. It's an unearned gift. You can't make yourself right. It's amazing when you talk to Christians, you say, are you righteous? They'll say, I'm trying. He said, do not have your heart established in works, but in grace. God made you right. He made you accepted by a free gift in Christ. And so he said, because of that free gift, 
that you got and you were made clean, he said, listen, now grace or all that Christ paid for should start dominating and ruling. But what would happen if I got the free gift, but my heart was established in works? I'd be trying to make grace work when that's not how grace works. Grace works by trusting. We call it faith. And so right here in verse 17, we'll jump backwards. It says this, and it's the same context, same topic. He said, for if by one man's offense, that's Grandpa Adam. He made this plague on the human race called sin and spiritual death, and it spread to everybody. And the only way out of that, because it goes through all of humanity, it's the broad path to destruction. Everybody gets it because of him. And then there's this little road that turns off that can give eternal life, and his name is Jesus. And he said, when you receive me, you receive life and right standing with God, but you receive grace or ability to live. And so here he said, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Well, what reigns in death? Sin. Why do sinners sin? Because they're by nature a sinner. They're spiritually dead. Why is it a natural course to see when people come to know the Lord, there's a change in their life? Because they have a change in their life. Internally, deep down, they get eternal life. They come back into right standing with God. They get a new nature. And now grace comes forth. And grace is there. But... Is that all there is to it? No, there's more to it, but let's read this. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, or the one act, much more those who receive abundance of grace, and notice this phrase, the gift of righteousness. If my heart is more established in works, I won't recognize that phrase a gift of righteousness, because I'll think, well, I'm trying to be righteous. Uh, if I do better, I'll be righteous. And he called it a gift. A gift, you could say, is something that comes by grace. Unearned, undeserved, freely given. And he said, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, notice the next phrase, will reign, rule, dominate, in life, through the one, Jesus Christ. Notice there that when you receive Jesus, you get a new nature. You get what we would call eternal life or right standing with God. Right standing with God, if you go back and read the whole context, is free from Jesus when you receive him. But that's not all there is to life. There's the day after you get saved. Let me give you a clue. There's five years after you get saved. 
There's 10 years after you get saved. There's 20 years after you get, there's however long after you're saved, a whole life you got to live. But there's free grace that's already given to you to live that life. No wonder the Bible said, humble yourself and you'll be able to tap into this grace. Why? Because then you have to say, it's not just me that can do it. It's this life, this ability that God gave me. And I didn't just trust him for salvation. I'm trusting him for my whole existence. I'm not earning anything I get. I'm not earning the walk of victory. I'm trusting in this. Well, what is it to trust? Let's go back and read that second verse again. Because he said we're to reign and that this grace and this, these free giftings are to influence and dominate our life now that we have right standing. Because if you notice, death reigned on all of them and we read the one verse. What is the issue with that? Well, sin's going to be the natural course of their life. No wonder the world struggles. When I lived in the world, I struggled with addiction. And I wanted to come to the Lord, and I said, I'll work on this, and I'll get free. And I tried and tried and tried, and I ran out of gas. You know what I mean by that. I just, just too hard. And I just said, I can't do this, Lord. He wasn't asking me to do that. So I just said, I, I'm just going to give you my life and all the troubles and all the junk and everything. It's yours. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, I was free. Because what did I do? I trusted in his free gift instead of my ability to be right. He did a work in me. And so the issue is this. Is that the only time we access grace? Is that the only time we need grace? Something unearned, something undeserved? Boy, how religious could we get if we thought we deserved the freedom, the victory, and everything else, and we didn't realize Jesus paid for it all. Not just your salvation, but your existence. How you would function with gifts and ability. I'll tell you what, I'm the best preacher in this whole building. I don't know. Wherever the whole world, I'm the best preacher. I'll tell you what, you need to kiss my ring. You know, like they do that, like you're, you guys are just the peons. Kiss my ring. I would be stupid and prideful and thinking it's a gift or something I did. No, if there's anything good, the good parts of it means God was able to help me to develop and to come into this. It should turn our attention toward God and go, thank God for his grace in his life because I was tired of hearing when he wasn't functioning there. You know what I mean? It's grace. It's an ability that's given to somebody to do something. But just like there's an ability to do that, I should not get haughty. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I live free because I'm stronger than anybody else. No. You live free. That's why the Bible said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, rely on his grace. Begin to trust in his grace. Begin to act according to what he has freely given. You with me? And it's that way in anything, then we can turn our attention and realize you're just not that good. If you're on fire for God, it's only because you cooperated with God. Because he works in all of us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's grace. 
But you know, you got to cooperate with it. You got to act in line with it. How many people that got saved didn't act in line with it and the Lord dealt with them and they knew I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. And they went and did it and all of a sudden they just started running on four flat tires and then they had no strength to push forward and to go forward in the things of God. And they thought, what's going on here? You're refusing God's grace. And the Bible talks about don't frustrate his grace. What does that mean? There's an ability there, but I can't just willfully disobey and think everything's going to fly. But what does it look like to really trust? Let's read verse 2 again and then say a couple things here and uh, close up. Romans 5, 2, through whom, through Jesus also, we have access by faith, by trust, by reliance into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope or in expectation of the glory of God. So he said, there's grace where sin ruled because death was there. Now you got righteousness and eternal life. Grace is to rule. And he said, the way to do it is to put your faith there. What is the simplest way to know whether I'm putting faith in his grace and making or allowing for that grace, or causing that grace, or cooperating with that grace to work in my life. How can I know? If it's not measurable, I could only tend toward belief based on what I see as results. And that would be dangerous. In other words, if I only look at results, and I want results... But what is the step? What does it look like to have faith? What does it look like to trust? How do I walk in this grace that's there? I like to hike. And uh, so recently I went hiking because we had rain and snow low. And one day I went out and some trails that never have water had some pretty big creeks plus. And I'm like, I could do this. I jumped up on this one boulder. And the way I did it was I scoped out in my sight boulders that looked steady, one to the other to the other. And I jumped and got on one, jumped and got on the other. And you know what I did to rely on that? Those rocks were a free gift. They were. Somebody said, did you keep your shoes dry? No, they got full of water, and they're waterproof, so they held in. (laughs) But the fact is, this part of the story that makes it seem cool, I did make it from rock to rock to rock, over. But that wasn't the whole story. But anyway, what did I do? I took a step. I acted. I acted. Many Christians are praying. Many Christians are saying Both of those things are good, but what makes you sink or swim? If you fall into a swimming pool and you just you just fall in and you go, I declare in the name of Jesus I won't drown. Lord save me. He's like paddle. Lord just save me right now. I've gone down twice. You know what the key would be? Some kind of personal action. Right? Some kind of acting. Like what? Like a clown or something? No. Acting on the word. 
acting like it's, is the Bible true or not? Here's the thing. You got to come to that place. Is the Bible true? Then why don't we act like it's true? Because I'm worried what happens if. But he said it wouldn't. Yeah, but I know, but no, no, you're not acting. So faith is really acting. When worry comes, refusing it. Did God give the book? Oh, yeah, God gave the book. If there's any book in the world, it's this book right here. It's the book. It's the book. Well, why don't you act like it's the book? Oh, I do. I, I tell people all the time, this is a book. This is a book right here. This is the book. This is a book. Don't get too close to the book. This is my book that God gave. Thank you. So what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just so worried. Well, did God tell you anything about worry in this book? Did he, did he ever tell you to resist sin? If he told you to resist, then that means there is an ability behind that to make that go if you're saved. Yeah, but I believe the book. I know what you believe, and I know what I believe by what I act on. That'll make you nervous. Great, now I'm afraid. Well, quit that. If you say you believe, he said, fear not, I'm with you. Yeah, but you don't know. You're telling me God doesn't know. But what if it doesn't work? But he said it would work. I know, but what? You're arguing with God. You're not acting. When he said, don't do this thing over here, and you go do it, you're arguing with God. You're like, whatever. You don't have faith in it. You're not believing, because believing is an action word. I mean, if God said forgive, and you're like, oh, I totally believe in forgiveness. Well, I'll tell you what, that dirty dog, you know how they treated me, I'll tell you what. You know what they did to me the other day? Let me just tell you something. Aren't you supposed to forgive? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive. I'll tell you what, I'll just never forget that. And then you go tell five other people, I thought you were supposed to get, well, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I believe the word. No, the word you believe is the word you act on. Now, I mean, I might be gun shy about something, you know, like, you know, I loan them money. Okay, I forgive you. Can I get some more? Um, no. I thought you were supposed to forgive me. I'm not bitter. I'm not holding nothing against you. I promise you that, but you just ain't getting no more money. There's a big difference, right? Because, you know, like you hear those stories of bad things happening and somebody's like, well, I just totally forgive them. They should just go free. No, you forgave them, but it didn't change them. But faith really is an action. And so if he gave the book, uh, then I need to act like it's true because it is true. Real faith acts on the book because it is true. So here's a statement that I think maybe we should finish with. That this, instead of trying to believe, now this will bug people, but instead of trying to do what you call believing, because you know, you can have a definition of belief that's not even a Bible definition of belief. You might think your belief is, just read a bunch, therefore I believe. 
And is that what the Bible definition of belief is? What if you just, instead of trying to believe, you just started acting on the truth? If he said, don't worry and worry thoughts come, I'm not going to entertain that. If he said, don't be caught up with worldly things, and he said, put your mind on things above, I'm believing that. No, no, instead of saying, I believe that, do it. Who's the blessed person? The person who reads the word or the one who reads and does? Reads and does. Because he said it's the doer of the word who will be blessed. So instead of trying to believe, why don't you just act on the word? But I'm struggling. You know, I know the Lord's dealing with me. I'm struggling. You know what you're struggling with? Disobedience. Rebellion. A choice to do it your way or his way. Now, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to all of us. If I am at that place, I'm struggling with rebellion. A choice. Somewhere I've allowed something in me to start entertaining something to do against his way. So real faith acts regardless. Well, that went over is pretty good. You could say it like this. If believing is acting then my acting will cause receiving. Because the Bible said, believing, you will receive. So how do I access real grace? I start acting. I don't need to pray for four hours. I need to start acting on it. And then if I'm acting on it, and acting in line, then I can just say, praise the Lord, it's working. It's mine. But do you feel it or see it? No, but I'm acting and so it's happening right now. If you'd go read the miracles in the Bible of all the people who got healed, delivered, and when Jesus attributed it to their faith, there were words, but there were a lot of actions. I mean, you think about it. Daniel in the lion's den. He gets thrown in there, and the Bible said, by faith the mouths of the lions were shut. So you know how his faith was. Daniel was in there. Oh, Lord, I just claim deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, you're not yet. You haven't come yet. Okay, in the name of God, because it's in the Old Testament. I'm delivered. I command these mouths to close. Be closed. Stop. Be closed. Be closed. Be closed. You know what happened? They got up. The king was all worried. He prayed all night. He went and wakes Daniel up. You there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm here. He wasn't worrying. He was acting, acting his faith. Our actions are our faith. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Then he commanded one guy, he said, rise up and walk. And he said, well, I, I never walked before. But he started acting and then he said, your faith made you whole. His faith was his action. And the more we act the more we walk in. 